You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We'll be in Luke 9, uh, verses 1 through 13 today. So Luke 9, 1 through 13. Also, um, if you're if you have your phone, there's a version app. The the notes are in there. Um, I think you go to events, and then it'll pop up Freedom Fellowship NWA. And I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate. I can find it. I'm still trying to figure out how to how to use it. It's um, it looks like a neat tool and a good tool. If somebody knows, please let me know because I'm I guess I'm not smart enough to use it. So, all right, Luke nine. 1 through 13. Summoning the 12, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the king he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Taking nothing for the road, he told them, no staff, no traveling traveling bag, no bread, no money, and don't take an extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Verse 7, Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead, some that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. I beheaded John, Herod said, But who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a deserted place here. Verse 13, you give them something to eat, he told them. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people. Now, there's a reason I'm stopping at 13, and hopefully that'll become clear as we go. So I want to break it down into Luke, the first two verses, one and two. It's where he's commissioning the 12. And what does he tell them to do? To go proclaim the kingdom. What are we called to do as Christians? Proclaim the kingdom. That is what we're supposed to do. So right here we see, we see up until this point, Jesus leading them and guiding them and teaching them and discipling them. Now he's going to go, all right, go proclaim the kingdom, which is exactly what we're supposed to do. So I feel like through this, I don't feel like, I know that through this scripture, it's setting us up too. He's showing the 12 how to do it, and now it's getting us ready to do it. So 1 and 2, he says, summoning the 12, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, When we break it down, here's what happened. Jesus supplied them with power and authority that only he could give. Nobody else could give that. Only he could give power and authority. 
He gave them the strength to go out and do the work. How else could they do it without him? They couldn't. I couldn't be standing here if it wasn't because of the strength that he gives me to wake up and get up and do what I'm supposed to do. But he didn't give them the work without the power and authority to do the work. So I want to just take that. To proclaim the kingdom and share the gospel, the good news, the strength and power has to come from him. Now, as we kind of get into it a little bit, you know, we have the Holy Spirit that works. He gave them the power and authority over all demons and heal diseases. That's something that we don't have at this point is something that he doesn't give us. He gave the disciples that power and authority to do that, to go do what he does, to get demons out, heal diseases. Three things that he wanted to that he wanted them to proclaim. The king has come. He's here. Jesus was there in person, flesh, and he's here still. Still. Second thing is it's not what they thought it would be. Here's these scholars and these people that have been waiting for the Messiah for a very long time, and he's right there underneath their noses, right in front of them. And because it's not what they thought it would be, because it didn't look like they thought it would, they had a hard time grasping the truth. Who's been there? Because your life or something happened that you didn't think that that's the way it was going to be. It didn't look like you wanted it to look, and you kind of turn your back on it a little bit because you have a hard time grasping and putting, coming to terms and grips with this is the will, this is the way it's supposed to be. The third thing it's for all. It wasn't just for the Jew. It was for the Gentiles as well. And as a kid, I remember reading that, you know, it was a Gentile. Well, basically anybody who's not a Jew. You know, but I look at what's going on, what, what's been going on a long time in this country, but what is just really coming to a head right now, I look, I look at this. I look at this scripture. I look at the 12, you know, different backgrounds different occupations you know we have fishermen we have a doctor we have accountants we have carpenters i think sometimes especially the american church we get stuck in our head that you have to have this huge education which is great and it, it helps and we and we need those things but everybody has a different gift and different backgrounds and if it was all scholarly people well then how would somebody in the trucking business do it. How would somebody that coaches for a living, how would somebody that works in just an office? We're all used because of different gifts. It's not going to be just a certain type of person. So I'm kind of talking to myself, we need to get out of our heads that, that we're not enough, that we can't be used. Because look at the 12. And if you break that down, each person, like look at what they struggle with. I mean, look at Peter. You know, I kind of relate to Peter because he was kind of hard-headed and stubborn. You know, I mean... And who's not hard-headed and stubborn, you know, for the most part? You know, Dylan's, <laughs> you know, but we've had that conversation. You know, but then look, and I go back to it's for all. Not only was it he did he use all different kinds of people to be his 12, the message, the gospel is for all. Doesn't matter what color you are, what ethnicity, where you're from, who you love, what you look like. It doesn't matter. It is for all. And that's something that as somebody who is probably a self-proclaimed judgmental person who has been working on that, it doesn't matter. 
who you are, what you look like, what you've done. The grace of God covers us all. All right, let's look at verses 3 through 6. So some instructions that he gives them. Take nothing for the road. He told them. All right, I'm going to pause there. Um, any, any Seinfeld fans? Okay. George Costanza. Remember when he's packing his suitcase? I'm getting a few, yeah. Well, yeah, I like it. He's packing his suitcase. And it asks, like they're going for a one-night trip, I think. They're trying to go get Kramer, if I remember correctly, or something, you know. But they're traveling, and he's got, like, I don't know, a bunch of suitcases. And Jerry's like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know what mood I'm going to be in. Like, I got to pack for that. This guy's that way, because I don't know. And then I was raised by a, a mother who you pack your clothes, and then you pack a few extra because you don't know what's going to happen. Not once in my life have I ever needed those extra clothes. But it's ingrained, and I know the moment that I don't, something's going to happen. You know, I'm past the point with my kids of dirty diapers and whatnot, but I'm getting a little older myself, never know sometimes. Yeah, a few of y'all been there, yeah. And take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no traveling bag, no bread, no money, and don't take an extra shirt. Like, I guess they have a cloak back then, but how do you not take something, you know, a little extra? We get to shower, they didn't, but you'd think you'd want a, a cleaner shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. So you want me to stay in a stranger's house? <sighs> if they do not welcome you when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. I would like to think that they probably grumbled a little bit. Like, he expects us to do what? Not take anything with us? Like, you mean to not take any, even no money, no food? Like, like how do I, like, I figured they, they grumbled a little bit. How do you not? You know, I don't think the 12 had it together that well. But they did it. I said, okay, like, you're telling us to do it. Let's go do it. So verses three, three, 3 through 5, and there's a reason that he told them this. Rabbis of the day could not enter the temple area with shoes or a staff. They had to avoid the appearance of being engaged in anything other than service to God. So here's a Jewish custom. You know, and I, I find it kind of funny because here, here Jesus is like kind of going against a lot of the grain here, but also knowing how they think and how people think. And so... Even he wanted to give the parents, like, we're only here to proclaim the kingdom. That's it. There is no other objective. There is no other ulterior motive. We're here to share the gospel, and that's it. Also, traveling light kept them dependent on God. You talk about, like, the ultimate, like, trust test right here. Like, you mean to go out with nothing and travel and rely on basically other people to give me my needs, I mean, imagine being at if, if you're a controlling person who's a planner and a scheduler and likes to have a little bit of control, who likes control? And some of y'all are lying if you don't. Because I thought I didn't either, and then, you know, but it all looks different. But get out of your comfort zone and not have much control over that. And you have your bare necessities, and I can't help but think of the Jungle Book movie when I hear that. And I almost typed it, like the animal bear. 
but you have nothing with you, who are you going to depend on? God, I hope I can eat today. I mean, you talk about being stripped of everything that you have. You want me to go share the news about you and have nothing? Okay, let's see how this goes. I mean, that's how my mind works. I'd have kind of gone into it kind of skeptical, you know, and I used to kind of wonder, like, how did they sometimes mess things up because they kept seeing Jesus do these things? But how many of us have seen miracles in our own lives? How many of us have seen the, the grace of Jesus just pour out over our kids, over our family, and yet we still go, eh, don't quite trust you? You know, and I'm like, these guys saw it, you know, saw him in the flesh. But we have too, to an extent. You know, I, you know, I look at somebody like Jesse, you know, and Jessica, like their story. Uh, that's Jesus. That's all it is. You know, you know, Tom and Karen, you know, learning more about, you know, you alls story, you know, and many years ago, but like, like I have hope through y'all. You know, I look at, at Dylan and Stephanie, you know, and just, you know, I, I joke with Brandon about some of the stories Dylan tells us, like a lot of people like kind of add on to their stories, you know, like, oh, that ain't true. I really think like Dylan pulls things back because we wouldn't believe it, you know, you know, but there's just, there's so many people in this room and online, like we've seen Jesus, you know, all right. The other thing was, was the simplicity. The message was simple. Proclaim the good news, proclaim the gospel. That was it. The truth. I think sometimes we try to get, you know, too much theology or too much. It's like, Jesus loves you and died for you. Give your heart to him. It's that simple. Doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Lord, we all know that. But the message is not complicated. Life is complicated, and our human thinking screws it up a lot. I know because I overthink a lot. And I think worst-case scenario all the time, and I can't help it. And it's a sin to worry, and that's probably my biggest sin I have is because I worry. You know. I've learned a little more about my personality, so I've asked Jesus to help me push that towards him. But it's not, it's not hard. Jesus loves you, and he died for you on a cross, and he took everything that you've ever felt in your entire life, all the misery, all the pain, and he bore it on the cross. That's the message. And that's all we have to proclaim. We can lead them, what's the old saying, you lead the horse to the water, you can't make them drink it. You know, like, we had a we met the other night as 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 I don't consider myself that young, but younger men with you know with some of the elders and, and older older men and just that was awesome by the way. I hope we get to do that again. But just being there and seeing that, but the responsibility as a dad that we all a lot of us sharing here. It is our responsibility to show them Jesus, to lead them there, to show them how to pray, to show them how to worship. But understand, we can't make them do it. That is something between them and God alone. And I'm going to struggle with that so bad because I want to control it. And I've heard my dad say multiple times it's, it's, it was easier to be a parent when we were kids than it is as adults. And I'm, I'm starting to kind of understand that a little. I don't want to say understand, but a little bit. Because you can control a decent amount, you know. But now I look at you know what happened to me at 30-something years old, and they couldn't do jack you know what about it. Like I, I can't imagine being in that situation as a parent where you can't do anything. The Messiah is here. 
It's a simple message. It's a simple truth. And I got off a little bit, but I, something I want to insert about this, this, this body is it's no, it's no secret we're not a big, huge congregation. And it's no secret that, that some people have moved on. And that's okay because God moves people to different places. But I think because we speak the truth here and we share the truth with love and sincerity, but sometimes the truth hurts sometimes. There's a lot of places that don't do that. It's a lot of feel good. And not just and there's prosperity, then there's just like we're just not gonna go there. Don't really teach prosperity, but we're just not gonna go there. That, that's a turnoff for people. Because people don't want to face Jesus. They don't want to face God and face their problems and face the truth that they're a sinner and that we screw up every single day. But at some point, people are going to get sick of that. And I feel like it's happening in some places in our country. And I, it's my generation is screwing up a lot of things, but I also think it's going to be my generation that, Lord willing, there's going to be revival. And people are at some point are going to get sick of it they're going to want truth. And I pray to God, and I pray that that happens. I don't care how many numbers we have. You know, it ain't about that. It's about proclaiming the kingdom. So that means we got to get people in here, and then they go, then great. If that's the place we're known for, is because there's a bunch of sinners in here that have had a, had a heck of a life and have been, yeah, I call my, <laughs> yeah, I got it, yeah. <laughs> we talked about this yesterday. But a lot of us have lived hell. And we're standing here because of the grace of God. And if we're that church, if we're that body that brings people in, we've got alcoholics in here. We've got divorced people in here. We've got people with all kinds of illnesses and sicknesses. And there's plenty of stories I'm sure that I don't know. I'm a single dad with two kids, and it sucks. But I've learned more about Jesus through my hell that I would have had it not happened. So I would go through the stuff again to be where I'm at right now. Because now I know the questions to ask. I know what to look for. I know how to search. And I'm still learning. And it's awesome. This place can be a place of revival because the truth is spoken here. And I'm telling you, people eventually are going to get sick of it, of not being given the truth. Because they're going to look up and go, why am I not any better? Why is my life... Why am I still miserable? Because you haven't given your heart for one fully. And I can, I'm the number one person who really wants to take, reel it right back in. Here it is, Jesus. A day later, eh. You know. Verse 6. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. So in verse 2, it says, and I'm reading out the CSB, by the way. Proclaiming the kingdom. And then you look at verse 6. Proclaiming the good news. Well, what's the good news? The gospel. That is the definition. It is the gospel. The, this, uh, English, the ESV in verse 6 says, preaching the gospel. So what I want you to take from that is proclaiming the kingdom, the good news, and the gospel. That's what it is. Okay? Can't have one with the other. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was happening while Jesus was still on earth. Not after. Not after he died on the cross. During. 
All right, let's look at uh, verses 7 through 9. Let's look at Herod the Tetrarch. Well, side note, I was learning how to pr uh, pronounce this, so I got on my Google, or I was on Google, and it gave me a little option to speak. I was like, well, this will be fun. And so I clicked on it. Google couldn't register my voice because of my country, Louisiana redneck accent, which my sister swears has changed, and maybe a little bit. But she accused me of saying you guys, and I thought we were going to fight. You know, like, because she said, you say, I said, I've never in my life said you guys. It ain't going to happen. Just so y'all know, for you people from the north, you guys is not correct. It's y'all. That is correct English. Can I get an amen? So you people who say you guys, y'all, you know, there's the door. Just kidding. We love y'all. Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead, some that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the ancient prophets had arisen. I beheaded John, Herod said, but who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. So here's so a couple of things about Herod. He's the son of Herod the Great. And we, we, we rewind to when Jesus was born. That's who was trying to kill all the babies. He beheaded John the Baptist in Matthew 14. And here he is hearing these rumors of who Jesus was. Was he Elijah? Was John the Baptist back? You know, he thought he got rid of his problem. You know, and I'm kind of starting to learn Jesus was a problem for a lot of people. But he thought he got rid of it. But we will, I'm not going to spend much time on here. We will see more of him in Luke 23. But I thought it was neat, not neat, but in a, in a studying standpoint of Herod the Great, Herod's son, Herod the Tetrarch, talk about a generational stronghold. You know, that's two Herods. There's two, there's a father and a son trying to kill Jesus. You know, and talking with Justin a little bit, like there's a whole lot to Herod that's kind of, I said it would make a great Lifetime movie. He said HBO, which he's probably right. You know, like there's just, there's a lot of things there that from a studying standpoint would be interesting. You know, but e even Herod, who wasn't a believer, they still knew the stories of Elijah. They still knew these things, you know, which I found that interesting. All right, verses. Now, the, we're going to get into the feeding of the 5,000, but we're really not. I'm going to hit the beginning of this. So I'm going to break it down into verses 10 and 11, and then we're going to look at 12 and 13. So you have the feeding of the 5,000, so here's the return. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom. And then we really don't hear much a little bit right here, but what was Jesus doing during this time? Proclaiming the kingdom. He was working. He was doing the work as well. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. So here they get back, and if you've been discipled or mentored by somebody, and and you you go and meet with them, and I, like J. E. Watkins is who I met with every week for oh gosh, like a little over a year, and still talk occasionally. But I still remember the look on his face when I would come back to him and share with him what I learned, what I saw in the scripture. And I just the the and those of you that know J.E. and Mary, they're just wonderful. They're just wonderful people. 
But just see the look on his face when I'm giving him this stuff that I've learned, just the, the joy and excitement. You know, now take that and let's go look at Jesus. Here he is. Can you imagine the excitement? He's like ready. He knows what happened because he's Jesus, but he's waiting for them to come back to hear about everything, the struggles, the good stuff, you know, the crazy stories that probably happened, you know, and you can just think about the excitement they probably had because he was excited, but he was also ready to disciple them and teach them and coach them. Okay, this happened. Here's how you handle it next time. You know, and just the excitement of, hey, we healed this guy. This is what happened. Like, I just can feel his love and, you know, love for that. And if you're familiar with the love languages, like, I think the author's Chapman, I think, but Jesus probably had them all, you know, and, you know, he wanted to feel their experiences. He wanted to feel with them. There's there's those people that have that spiritual gift. My sister's one of them. I thought she was dramatic as we were growing up, you know, but I've learned as we've gotten older, she feels with who she's with. And so when you're excited, she's like, on the moon. When you're down, holy moly. She, I mean, like, I kind of have to step away, but I learned that, like, but imagine Jesus, like, he, he's, we know he's felt everything, but he's feeling all the emotions and the experiences with the 12, like, he's feeling all of that at one time. And so Jesus knows. He's excited when we come to him. The other thing I want to look at is the exhaustion that's probably setting in a little bit. They're getting tired because they've been traveling, they've been out, having to rely on nobody but God. And I'm sure they probably, I bet it wasn't all hunky-dory. I bet they ran into a few things, you know, because how better to keep trusting is when things are real smooth, yeah. you know? So Jesus is proclaiming this kingdom as well. As they're coming in, like they, they all, all of them need to decompress. They need to regroup, learn from each other, kind of just rest, take a break, rest. But we see in verse 11 that the crowds found them. And when the crowds found out, they followed him. So you can imagine, like, Jesus is probably kind of tired, too. You know, and he's ready, to, you know, maybe he's not ready, but he, he's tired, and they're ready to go rest to a, in a deserted place, get away from everybody, and regroup. But the crowds found him. They followed him. So what did Jesus do? He welcomed them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. So Jesus received them, he spoke to them, and he healed them. The work doesn't stop. Now, there's, there is a time and a place where we do need to rest, and we do need to get away from, from things. But I think what we're seeing here is what we talked about in verse 1 and 2, is where's our strength come from? From Jesus alone. We can't do it on our own. So here are these people. The needs of people don't stop. So no matter how tired we are, and I don't want to, like I said, there is a time where, where we do have to step away and rest. That's where the body comes in and somebody else, you know. But I'm going to be honest this morning. I'm going to be a little vulnerable. I've been asking God for a while just to use me. But I'm praying this morning, and it hit me, and I said, why now? Like, and then it just kind of flowed out. I said, I ain't ready. I was like, okay, okay, therapy's going on right now. And Sunday morning in my living room. Man, I ain't ready for this. God, I need you to show me something, tell me something. He, he ain't come back to me yet. So 
that happens sometimes. But the truth is I'm not. But because my I'm not enough. My own strength is not enough. Jesus, I need you this morning. Let your Holy Spirit work. I'm standing here. You know, and I'm not saying that in an arrogant way by any means. But I'm only standing here because of that. I, I am a living testament. Right, let's look at verses 12 and 13. Late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging, because we are in a deserted place. Verse 13. Sometimes I hear, I hear this verse, how my dad would say it to me. You give them something to eat. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people. So verse 12, exhaustion has now set in. They're wanting a little bit of selfishness kicking in. Like, we're tired. It's time for them to go. I'm ready to rest. I'm ready to talk with you. They, they need to go. They finally get to come home and recharge their batteries and get there. And people are like, no, we need, we need some of this. Also, logically, it's getting late in the day. It is time for them to go. There are no cars with headlights. You know, they've got to go find something to eat. So I kind of see it from both, and I don't want to get, you know, I don't know what's right or wrong in this, but I kind of see it both ways. It's like, we're tired, y'all need to go. But also, like, Jesus, like, it is getting dark. Like, if they're going to rest tonight, they need to go. So what do we see here? And I kind of hit this a minute ago, but we see that the needs of others does not stop, ever. And then in verse 13, again, he says, you give them something to eat. When I read that, it wasn't just about food. And I think that's, for me, that's how it was speaking to me, was it's not just the food. Like then, then we get into the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which is, you know, which is really cool. But for me, it's what happened before to get here. You know, is is I don't want to dismiss the miracle, you know, but it was it was great. But just what happened to them to get here? You know, we've all been tired, we've all been exhausted at times. But of all the things I've said today, here's I want you to take two things home with you today. Now, the title of I, I, I titled my sermon. It's not about you, but when I wrote it, how I really wanted to write it, I wrote it ain't about you. I tried to be correct grammar, but that ain't me. It ain't about us. It's about Jesus. It ain't about how tired you are, how exhausted you are, what you're going through. Because guess what? You probably aren't ready. But where do we get our strength? The Holy Spirit indwells in us, and Jesus gives us our strength. If we don't rely on him, we're not going to be able to do it. Who's ever sat with somebody before because they needed to talk to you and you sat there and you didn't listen. You just say, hey, here's the advice. Boom, go. I've been there, done that. Here's how you fix it. Who was I relying on? Me. I've, that's happened several times, but I, st I recall one and I still remember it. And it still bothers me because there was an opportunity where a kid just needed me to listen Fast forward to 34 and 35 years old, and I'm needing something. And a lot of us have been there, where you just need somebody just to listen. Not to say anything other than, you know what, this sucks. And I'm sorry this has happened. 
But a lot of us want to give advice. Sometimes it's just about listening. It ain't about talking at all. Jesus, here's the second point. Jesus has everything that we need. He is the fuel that we need in our bodies. It happens right here. It happens with what we did Friday night getting together as men. With you women that have a Bible study, with us that get together as just families and just hang out. That is where it happens. I'm a coach. It's hard not to go this route with it, but we tell our kids all the time, when you want to work out, if you haven't eaten, if you haven't put the fuel in your body, like you would put gas in a car, it ain't going to function. If we don't fuel our body with this right here, it ain't ever going to work. And ain't nothing ever, ever going to get better for you. Life stinks, and it's hard sometimes, but because of the Word of God and because of Jesus Christ, we can stand here and we can be together, and we can know that when this world ends, that we will all be more than okay. I think this speaks to different seasons of our life, and these people being tired, these disciples being tired and exhausted, and Jesus showing them, yeah, you're tired, I'm tired. But they still need me. They still need Jesus. You have the experienced Christian that have been doing ministry for a long time. You know, and, and ministry is not just this. I think we all know that, but I want to say that it ain't just this. You know, it's things like what Mark and Gail do, you know, where they're, you don't see them up here, but they're doing a whole lot of stuff. You know, it's things like yesterday helping, it's when you help somebody move. You know, it's when you visit one-on-one with somebody. Then there's the non-believer. They don't know where to turn. They, they're, they're tired, they're exhausted because they don't know what else to do. Then there's the new believer. Okay, I've accepted Jesus, now what? You know, and I could have taken this script, this scripture and gone a whole different direction with discipleship, which is the second most important thing we're supposed to do. Proclaim the kingdom and then disciple. That's what we're supposed to do. And I could go off on a tangent about how we fail at that a lot. And Dylan Roth can really get, I can get him started and get him going for 30 minutes on it. But it's different seasons. And so I, just, I love it. If no matter where you are, somebody at home, no matter where you are, if you're the experienced person that's been, been in, how long have you been doing this, Tom? About 50 plus, or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm only 35, so, you know, but like, it speaks to him. It speaks to us that are young Christians. It speaks to us who are non-believers because we're all tired. We're all tired. We're all exhausted in different ways or another. And what affects you, I may look at and go, eh, that's not too bad. But for you, it may be the worst thing. Because it's happening to you. So we can't look at it that way either. You know? Because I look at my situation and go, man, it's horrible. And it is. But then I go, but it could be worse. And it could be. And I have to remind myself of that day, like, Jesus, thank you so much that my children are here this morning with me. So he showed the 12 that no matter how tired they were, he showed us that no matter how tired that we are all call to proclaim the kingdom of God, the good news. That is what we're supposed to do. And if we're not doing it, then we're failing miserably. That's my opinion. Because I have failed miserably at that. I get so wrapped up and I get so worked up about the negatives of things in my life 
He said, you know what, Jesus? Thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to give me the strength to be standing, to be here this morning with these people. Thank you for using me this morning and at times before. Thank you so much for that. Our strength isn't enough, but his is. It's not about us. Let Jesus fuel you. He is the well, the way maker. He gives us the power and authority. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I just thank you for loving us and pouring your grace out over us. You were so, so good. You were a good, good father. And that doesn't even speak so much. I just, just give us, as we worship here, just give us hearts with your love and your grace and, and, and speak to us this morning. Those of you that, that are unsure or not sure where to go, just I ask you that you just you look at Jesus and you give your heart to him. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for us. Thank you for going to that garden and feeling the, the, all the weight of the world on your shoulders. There is nothing that you can't handle. There's nothing that you can't bear for us. I urge you and I beg you people to give it to him this morning. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.